Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 39 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, and as always, this episode is not, or any of the episodes are not to be used um, as a replacement for actual medical individualized treatment. All right, today we are going to be exploring a huge topic And as always, I feel like there's just so much nuance and complexity. So I'm going to do as much justice to it as I can. And I'm sure there'll be questions. So please feel free to reach out if you have more questions about your individual situation. Because as you'll discover, context is important here. Your individual situation matters. Like we can't just generalize everything to like some easy checklist. But anyways, I digress. What we're going to be talking about today is how to know if we need to address something physically, say through what we would consider more conventional or traditional interventions, such as physical therapy, chiropractic, massage, exercise, movement, like stretching, or even surgery. And just for the sake of uh, just ease, I am going to even include things. I'm not going to talk about them specifically, but for your brain, you might even um, include things like medications or injections into this, okay? It's kind of like this very physical thing that is treating the part that hurts, okay? So again, for semantics, we're just gonna, I'm gonna be referring to this as like the physical side of things. It's probably not the best word, but I don't know. I just want to lump it all together for the, for the ease of this episode, okay? Obviously, each thing could be talked about very differently, but you'll see why Again, it's not important to differentiate them right now. So the other question is, is, or is it the mind-body approach that's needed, right? This is such a common question I get. I'll get people DMing me and I love getting these DMs. Like I don't have a problem with them. So please feel free to DM me this exact question. It's like, okay, wait, should I, I don't know if I need to keep pursuing the physical side or if I need to look into this deeper mind-body work that I talk about. And this is, I'm going to attempt to address that question today. Now for the mind-body approach, again, super vague term. And unfortunately, I do think there are people who describe certain methods that are not mind-body. So for the purpose of this episode and for semantics sake, I am really using it to describe anything that is aimed at connecting us back to our bodies and our own wisdom and include anything aimed at nervous system regulation and or trauma processing, like somatic work, things like that. Okay. Now within my program, I use many, many different forms of this because I think they're all essential for the most part. Many modalities will concentrate on just like one aspect of it. So it does seem like the answer should be straightforward. Like, do I need physical work or mind body work? It should be easy to answer, right? Because most people would think, hey, if you've had an actual injury, if you can pinpoint like, hey, yep, I herniated my disc 20 years ago and I've had back pain since, then you need the physical approach, right? Or maybe if you've been to a chiropractor and they found a misalignment or your spine has lost its curvature or whatever things they tend to say. Um, Or you've been to someone else who's been like, you have a tight muscle and it really needs to be released. Then obviously you need the physical approach, right? Or maybe if you're listening to this, you might relate to this the most. If no one can figure out what's wrong, nobody's really seeing anything that needs to be worked on, then you need a mind-body approach, right? 
If your imaging is clean, um, again, must need a mind-body approach. And I'm here to say that the very attempt to look for the answer of which thing do I need and to separate these two so distinctly from each other and almost like pit them against each other of it's got to be one is incredibly problematic because the answer is always, always, always going to be both. It's just not always in the way you might think. And it's definitely not going to be in the same way for different people. Thinking that these are two distinct options and that you have to choose one of them is, one, incredibly understandable that you think that way because it's how we're taught to think, right? Like on a test, there is one right answer and you have to pick the right answer. But that's not how life works. It isn't your fault that you think this way. And now that you know... Only you get to do something about it. So before we like dive into the meat of this, I do want to say that if you are someone who needs to find out the reason and understand the exact why, and you're terrified of making the wrong decision, or you're kind of feeling like you're stuck between these two worlds, then good news, you're listening to the right episode. And as you'll discover, the mind-body approach is going to be an essential piece in your journey because this type of thinking, again, not your fault that you do it, is really black and white thinking, thinking there's one right answer, I have to choose one path, greatly contributes to and is a symptom of this hypervigilant, perfectionistic, obsessive nervous system, which directly can cause or amplify chronic pain or even chronic illness for that matter. And trust me, if you feel called out, I'm calling myself out just as much, okay? (laughs) Um, We are all trained to think this way, and we all think this way at times. I absolutely do. It's not a matter of never thinking this way. It's just catching it and being aware of it when you are. So in this episode, we're going to be exploring it specifically in reference to the physical versus the mind-body approach kind of debate that I feel like I tend to see. And to me, it's not a, like it just, to think of it as a debate or to like pit one side against the other is like, I'm not going to dive into like specifics of what I see wrong in the debate itself. If you're interested, let me know. Maybe I could do a whole nother episode on it, but I'm really just going to hopefully help you see why we need both. And it's not our one or the other. Now, Let me first clear something up. This is a podcast for chronic pain. I'm assuming no one listening to this is trying to find out what to do while they're actively bleeding out or just like fell off a tree and broke their arm. Okay. If you are good Lord, you know what to do. Go call 911. Okay. Like no one's doing that. (laughs) And because I know people who tend to have perfectionistic minds, like mine, because this is why I put this disclaimer in, because this is exactly where my brain goes. I'm like, but what if someone's listening and they think that when they're bleeding out that they need to like concentrate on mind-body work, okay? Like this is where my brain goes. And if your brain went there too and it's like looking for holes in my argument because of like some, some circumstance you think of, I'm just calling you out. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? And, and, and even in those cases, if you are already skilled in the mind-body piece, it will come majorly in handy. In fact, when my uterus decided to fully come out of my body and cause me to begin bleeding out during my ch- during childbirth, 
I absolutely used the mind-body techniques that I had learned to regulate my nervous system while the doctor's entire arm was up inside my body, physically shoving my uterus back in. You're welcome. I'm sure you wanted that visual. Yeah, that can happen in case you didn't know. Super rare. Didn't know about that either. So you're welcome. Clearly in that moment, if I had to choose one, I would have chosen the doctor saving my life. Obviously. But the good news is, is you can always <laughs> access mind-body techniques once you have them. Um, and you don't have to choose because once you've learned, you can almost always, you know, use nervous system regulating techniques when it's appropriate for the uh, scenario, which in my scenario it was because there's nothing I could have done other than lay back and try to relax as much as possible. Now, the caveat here though is, is if you haven't learned, like if I wasn't equipped with those techniques already, no, obviously in that moment, I definitely, definitely was not the time to be like, oh, let me learn some techniques. Obviously. Okay. So sorry now with that, with that uh, tangent there. There is so much research out there to prove that your beliefs about the treatment you're receiving affects the treatment results. Okay. Like massive amounts of research show this. This is why the thing called the placebo effect exists and is like the standard thing that they measure things against. Okay. Like it's a very, very real thing that creates actual chemical and physiological changes in our body. So even in the case of something where a primarily physical approach does make the most sense, we know that beliefs matter for the outcome. Is it going to be equally the same across the line for each person in each scenario? Of course not. Okay. None of this is going to be. And again, again, I want you to just notice if you're brain is going to examples where it's like, well, what about this scenario? Wouldn't be true then. You're probably right. I mean, I don't know what scenario you're thinking of, but just notice if your brain's going there and coming out of your personal scenario, right? And thinking about some other random scenario. And if you think this truly what I'm about to say, like listen to the whole podcast. And if you don't think it applies to you, feel free to DM me. Let's chat. But I'm it might not. I don't know. I actually, I would probably argue that, but anyways, I'm happy to talk about it. But the point is, is just notice if your brain's going there, right? This is all symptoms of this, this type of thinking that keeps our nervous system on alert and actually can unintentionally and very, very sneakily keep us in chronic pain in different ways. So if you are exercising, for example, and with each rep you do, you're thinking, wow, I'm causing further damage to my knee. It's not going to go well. Your body's not going to really take to that exercise. In fact, you might not have strength gains that are expected. You might end up with a whole lot more pain because your body's like, oh shit, this is bad. Why are we doing this? Here, here's some pain to make you stop, right? Even if strengthening your muscles is exactly what you need. I think what often gets lost is that when it comes to looking at the mind-body connection, we don't always need an intervention. And same thing with the physical side. We aren't always talking about like a physical in or a physical, an intervention where someone needs to guide you through a process. We're just kind of checking off that for each person. We always need mind-body work and we always need physical things. 
again, the physical things might be different since I lumped a whole bunch in a category, but notice one of the physical things was exercise and movement. So sometimes we don't always need an actual intervention and sometimes we very much need an intervention. So let's say you go to a physical therapist, you're scared of doing an exercise. Maybe you don't even tell them, maybe you don't even realize it, but through the evaluation, they build a rapport. You're really trusting what they're saying. You, you know, you felt they're very thorough. Then they go ahead and they explain exactly the treatment plan, exactly why you're going to start with this one particular exercise. And it makes you feel really, really confident. You actually might be good to go. They included the mind body piece without anyone really being aware. It wasn't like this conscious thing. They may have just like literally been trying to explain what they're doing and they may not even be aware of the mind body piece at all. They're just like, oh, I really love explaining why you need to do an exercise, right? So again, maybe you didn't even realize how scared you were in that, in that case, or Maybe you were just super excited to go and get a treatment done. Like you were so excited to see that physical therapist. Then the mind-body connections is already in a great place. Like you don't need, in either of those scenarios, there's nothing that really needs to be done extra to address it. It's just already where it needs to be. And your nervous system is ready to receive what the treatment is. Again, whether anyone's aware of it or not. It's always about the physical and the mind-body. We're like one entire human. I don't know why we like so insist on separating ourselves when we like are very connected. Like, have you ever seen what the nervous system looks like? Like, go look it up if you haven't. If you are like things like me too, if you can go see a bodies exhibit, holy crap, it's freaking coolest things ever. But anyways, you just go look up the nervous system. It's like our brains and our nerves, like literally when they're taken out of our body, look like a body. <laughs> like they're... We like literally are like a walking nervous system. There are so many nerves and things that are connected in our body. We can't, we cannot separate these out. All right. And then let's look at it from the flip side. Okay. So I work with many women who have a history of being really physically active. They often have loved a form of exercise, but either due to pain, creating fear of the exercise or due to things like diet culture, the patriarchy, that has emphasized exercise as a way to control their bodies, excuse me, exercise does not feel as good anymore. And so maybe they've kind of developed this like dysfunctional relationship with running. It's kind of this like love-hate relationship. Like I love getting out, I love running, but then there's this like, oh, I need to run to keep my body looking a certain way, right? Like it's kind of all mixed in and muddled together. So but it is something they want to get back to. So many of the women I work with want to get back to physical movement and exercise, whether it's a formal exercise program that they loved or getting back to a running program or just being like, I want to be able to go out and hike or kayak or just play around and like play random sports in my backyard with my kids, right? What needs to be addressed in those cases is the fear or the dysfunctional relationship with the movement from a mind-body connection level. We need to explore what is going on from a nervous system perspective. We don't need to be putting in usually all this effort into like, all right, well, let's get you back running and I'm going to show you how to run again. Like they don't need that. They need to address the fear of getting back into running, right? And for many of these women, once that is addressed, they don't need any type of formal physical intervention. They don't need to go to the PT to strengthen. They don't need someone to show them how to run. Um, 
or get everything like perfectly massaged out, even if they do have some tight muscles, they just naturally start moving and exercising in a way that feels great to their body and often just like naturally takes care of any physical things that may may benefit from being addressed. Or maybe then they realize like, oh, okay, I could go use a massage right now. Like, it's just like not a big deal, right? It's like, all right, I get a massage. Cool. All right. There's no like drama around it. So they needed the mind body piece, obviously, to get them to the physical piece. And they clearly needed the physical piece to get back into what they love doing and, you know, overall health of the body. But the physical side of things, they were just able to happen. Okay. It's just doing what bodies do. Within my Unweaving Chronic Pain program, I address three essential areas. Nervous system safety, information gathering, and aligned action. While I'm definitely not getting into those three today, um, feel free, if you're hearing this and you're like, ooh, I want to know more, shoot me a message on Instagram and just be like, I want to know more about your three pillars, and I will send you the workshop replay where I go into detail about all of them, okay? So that's on you to do that if you want to know more. Um, But so I talk about these three pillars, and all three are always present within each phase of growth. And all three are going to be present in different ways and in different ratios for kind of like each phase of growth. So this is so aligned with what we're talking about today because nervous system safety is an essential, essential component of developing the mind-body connection. And it is needed to take aligned action, which for the sake of today, we can talk about as physical movement. It can look like a whole bunch of different things, but for, you know, go along with today's episode, it makes sense that the aligned action is going to be physical movement. With nervous system safety, either you have it or you don't in any given moment. If you have it, you don't need to think twice about it. You don't really need to do anything. You can then just go take aligned action and go do a movement, right? If you don't have it, you need to step back and develop it, and then you can go take aligned action. Because often if you try to take aligned action, we might be just like parallel. It might be like, okay, I want to go run. And you're just like so terrified to run that you can't. Or like, I really want to do this workout program. And you find yourself doom scrolling, right? Like that's all examples of nervous system safety being something to look at. Or you just like pain might flare up. And it's like, you almost are like physically presented from taking that aligned action. And in this case, since I brought in those three pillars, I wanted to include where does information gathering fit in? Well, that's either directly in the research you're doing, looking up different techniques or exercises or even practitioners to work with, or, and most importantly, it's found in checking in with your body and getting information from your body about what the next right step is. So you aren't constantly giving away your power to someone else to tell you what to do. This doesn't mean we can't ask people what to do or consult with experts. So if you're consulting with someone trusted who's giving advice on what might work for you, you still want to run it by your own internal checks of whether or not it makes sense for you right now. This ability to turn inwards and discover for yourself if you need to focus on the mind-body part or the physical part is absolutely essential. 
It is what is necessary for not getting lost in our medical system that unfortunately often just shuffles people around. It's what might allow you to hear some hard truths or coaching from someone who has an expertise in what's going on with your body, but it does not have the bedside manner to necessarily relay it in the most trauma-informed or empathetic way. The reality is, is I've worked with many people who've actually gotten some pretty solid advice, but it's said in a really shitty, non-helpful way. So they miss out on getting to extract the wisdom and put aside the bullshit. As a very real example, I work with a client who has a genetic disease that very much needs specialized medical treatment. She was seeing a top expert and this doctor immediately insulted her weight and said some really insensitive things. And then the doctor proceeded to provide very valuable information. Luckily, at this point, I had been working with this client for some time on navigating things like this, working on nervous system regulation and checking in with her own internal wisdom. So unlike in other appointments where my client was, and understandably, like none of this is saying my client was in the wrong, of course not. But she was understandably shocked and paralyzed by hurtful comments doctors were making. In this particular appointment, she was able to regulate her nervous system and even able to calmly and firmly place a boundary with this doctor that her weight was not part of the discussion, and she was able to receive the valuable advice. This is mind-body work in action, allowing someone to receive a physical treatment. There are so many times where I see people unable to receive a treatment because the mind-body work is not addressed first. For my client, this recommendation proved to be incredibly helpful. And my client actually later realized that over a year ago, a different doctor had actually made the same recommendation. But at the time, she refused to try it because the doctor also made insensitive comments about her weight. And she was so paralyzed by what he said and was so angry that she didn't want to hear it. Like she didn't trust him, right? And again, understandably so, because here's the thing, in a perfect world, of course, no one should have to deal with that. No one should have to treat with, like deal with the shit that doctors sometimes say. It's absolute bullshit that like I have to spend so much time working with this client on how to, how to navigate a world where doctors say the things that they say, okay? But the very real reality is my client missed out on a over a year of effective treatment because she had not yet gained the skill of nervous system regulation and listening and checking in with her body's own internal wisdom. Because once she was able to do that, she realized the recommendation absolutely felt right for her. And I want to add here, if you're like, yeah, but like, the, the doctor should have to learn. Yeah, but the, you know, like, yes, of course. But how long are you going to wait for that to happen? Like my client, I mean, how, you know, like had my, my client not been working on that, she would have missed it again, like without a doubt, because she says she would have. So like, yes, the doctor should learn, but how long are you going to wait? Like, I don't think they're going to learn in our lifetime. 
it's just not going to happen. Not we're not going to go into the medical system, but it's not going to happen. And if you, you can even listen back to my last episode that talks about this, it is up to us to take control and learn how to listen to our own body's wisdom. And it's not an either or about receiving treatment or only listening to our wisdom. It's both. Now, I want to dive into some really specific common subgroups of people that I see. And obviously, again, everyone's situation is so nuanced. So I'm doing my best to kind of describe really common things I see in general, but everyone's going to have their own experience. So first, let's look at what I do think is likely, I think it's kind of the largest group that I uh, tend to work with. Um, and that, and so probably the largest group that's listening in that there's no clear reason for the pain. Things have been cleared either through imaging or like everything just kind of is like, okay, I mean, maybe we found a little thing, but it doesn't make sense for your pain. There's really nothing, or maybe you just never even had imaging because no one's going to do it. Cause they're like, there's absolutely no indication for this. And I would trust that. I mean, oftentimes imaging is more often than not imaging is overdone, not underdone. Um, or there's no clear response to physical treatments. Maybe you've tried it all from physical therapy to massage to exercise. Nothing seems to help your pain. In those cases, yeah, there's likely a very clear indication of mind-body being the absolute best way to go and an incredibly high indicator that you'll get massive success here. And if you're listening, you might also be wondering, but what if they miss something? Like there is this fear of, yeah, but what if they miss something? What if, you know, or if they haven't done imaging, it's like, but they need to image, they haven't looked at it, or they haven't run this test, or maybe there's another test, or maybe there's some diagnosis they're missing, or X, Y, Z. And if that's you, it's a really valid thought, and I'm going to come back to that, okay? I'm going to describe the other large group. The other large group that might be listening is someone who does have a reason for their pain. Now, I'm including anything from like a very clear previous injury or even surgery to no real clear onset of the pain, but through evaluations, maybe you've been told certain things. So maybe findings have shown, oh, yeah, okay, we see some like disc degeneration and you're like really hung up on that, right? It's like, oh, no, my pain is because I'm having degenerated discs or have osteoarthritis. Or maybe you were told you're out of alignment, or like I said earlier, like there's a lack of curvature somewhere, like something that's they just found, but yeah, okay, different people might have different opinions on. Or maybe you've been told, oh, it's you have these really tight muscles, or you overuse these muscles, or maybe you even have some fancy sounding diagnosis like kyphosis or fibromyalgia. Literally endless examples here, so I'm not gonna list them all. But the point is, is your pain is still present. You're obviously listening to this for a reason, right? Like you're still having the pain despite a either diagnosis or maybe even intervention because all the things that you've tried haven't worked. So basically in the two groups I mentioned, so going back to the first group too, what you have in common often is a non-response to physical treatment. And maybe even because of this non-response, there is worry and fear that something is being missed. And this is understandable as hell. Like I want to validate the crap out of this because I think this is one place where I hear other people sometimes who talk about mind-body. I think this part gets dismissed 
there is a harsh reality that our medical field does miss things all the time. The humans working within it are tired, stressed, overworked, poorly taught on many things, and stuck in a system that forces them to have minutes with each patient and then restricts what they can do. The vast reality, or the vast reality, is that many things do go missed, and most of the things that go missed are either due to straight-up human error or just a total lack of knowledge or blind spot to what you have going on. None of it's intentional or malicious. Now, I'm going to give a true physical therapy-related example that happened to me and some coworkers earlier on in our career. We were working backstage with a ballet company who performed the Balanchine style of ballet. There is absolutely no reason you need to know what it is, but feel free to YouTube it. It's beautiful. Okay. I sure as heck didn't though. Long story short, the dancers were pretty much all presenting with these massive calf cramping. Okay. I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but we would basically get 20 minutes with them each. They're all complaining about the pain in the same area in their calf. And we were focusing on the exact things we learned to do. Soft tissue release. We were focusing on different cueing for their glutes and their core. So that way when they're up on their toes, they're not only relying on their calves to lift them up, whatever. Okay. And it was fine. Like they were actually like really happy with the treatment, super grateful. And then one day my boss, who's a freaking, right, my boss at the time, who's a freaking master at PT and a former dancer and incredibly knowledgeable of all things dance and PT related, went in and treated and when she came back, she was like, uh, you guys are totally missing something. And what she basically told us was because of that particular style of dance, a bone in their foot, which with gait, I'm not going to go into biomechanics here, but it should lock and unlock, okay, with each step you take. It was stuck locked, basically. And this was leading to how the muscle was working and leading to the exact place that they were having pain. Okay, so again, the, the, the place they were having pain was way up, almost close to their knee, like that really big, like fat part of your calf, right? And the bone is obviously in their foot, okay? So not like, they're linked because they're connected, but uh, different places, right? We were working more on the place that hurt. So in school, we learned a specific manipulation of this bone. But what we learned was what to do when it got stuck unlocked. And I think we all even checked if it was stuck, right? And we're like, oh, nope, it's locked. Because that's like what you kind of were taught to check for. Because in the general population, that's what happens. It gets stuck unlocked. Now, it never occurred to any of us that it would get stuck locked. It just wasn't what we saw. It just wasn't what happened. We were able to not only perform the technique on the dancers, but also then teach them how to do this technique on themselves, which instantly released the calf muscle and their tension and their pain that they were feeling. Now, these were professional dancers. They had been dealing with this issue for most of their careers and had seen many, many top therapists and athletic trainers, none of whom, as, as far as I was aware, had figured out this problem and caught it, right? It would have been incredibly easy for, you know, for everyone, ourselves included, to just attribute it to the overworking of the muscle and just needing more soft tissue work, maybe, Eventually, if it got bad enough, they maybe they would have even gotten, you know, sent to more mind-body type treatments. Um, or maybe there's like a nerve, you know, but they may be like, oh, there's a nervous system reason that's causing it. Let's work with that. But honestly, in their case, they just needed a really specific physical 
a very, I can't talk, a very specific physical treatment. And for them, it actually did yield instant relief. It didn't mean they didn't have to keep doing it, right? Because they kept doing that type of dance. But anyways, it took them years to get this treatment though. And there are likely other Balanchine dancers suffering from this exact same issue. And they're just gonna put up with it for their entire careers and never know about this treatment. If you're one of them, let me know. I'll let you know what the treatment is. I'm not hiding it. It's just, it makes no sense to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> and, and I will say, probably since that, because that was very early on in my career, in, in the general population, I ended up seeing that same issue probably two or three times, not commonly for like the number of people I was seeing, right? But like in that person, it was always in, and it, they were general population, not dancers, but I was able to catch it. Um, and they were like, I've been to so many people. Like, how did you know to do that? Like, how, and they were kind of like mad. They're like, how come my other physical therapist didn't do that? And I'm like, honestly, like you can't get mad. Like the reason I know this is so fucking random. Um, yeah, like it was just totally by chance that I was able to catch it for those people. There are probably so many people that I didn't catch what it needed to do because I just didn't have the specific knowledge, right? So anyways, what I want to get into with this example is here's the thing. You really might be right. Something might be being missed. But here's the thing is I cannot guarantee that even if there is some random person who might have the answer, I don't know when you're going to see them or when you'll be connected with that person. So now what I want to include is another detail about these dancers. None of them were coming to us with fear or anxiety or resistance to their pain. None of their pain was particularly debilitating, okay? None of it was, they were obviously professional dancers that were dancing for like hours and hours a day, okay? Um, their pain was not stopping them from doing what they loved. Again, these were professional dancers. They toured the country. We just, you know, were there to be of assistance to them before their shows and like take care of them just like athletes have, you know, trainers who take care of them. And I truly believe that that element was massive in why they did respond so well to the treatment. They'd already been in full acceptance of the pain. They were already actively managing it in the best way they knew how. They didn't let it stop them from doing what they loved. And they also hadn't given up on trying to get their bodies what they needed. Because after all, if they had, they wouldn't have showed up in the treatment room, right? but they also weren't tied to the outcome and they didn't need it to be fixed to live their lives. Whether this was something they had consciously worked through to like get to that place, I have absolutely no idea. I definitely did not ask it. The point is, is it was, or maybe it was already instilled in them just naturally, no clue. Okay, maybe it took them years of therapy and to get back into dancing. When I was seeing them, we literally had 20 minutes, like go, go, go. There was not room for this type of discussion. <laughs> The point is, is it was that, that mind-body piece, again, was already there and they needed the physical treatment. Because what I see over and over and over again is when we have a ton of fear and we have a lot of worry or the more we believe we're trapped and stopped from living our lives due to our symptoms or our pain, the more we suffer. I see people searching for years before they actually do find a physical solution that is matched up for them. And while I do think treatment works more rapidly and does stick better often when you have nervous system regulation, I don't think that's even necessary. Like, I don't want to say that it's like an absolute prerequisite to like getting a successful treatment. I mean, there's probably a million examples where that's not true. 
like, again, I've definitely provided massive, like, relief through hands-on treatment to people with very dysregulated nervous systems, okay? But before they found that treatment, they suffered for years. Their muscles were atrophied. Their worlds were shrinking or really had shrunk dramatically. Relationships were often significantly damaged or even lost. Like, divorces happened over some people I've, I've treated because of their chronic pain. They missed out on important events. They spent their days searching for answers and bouncing from practitioner to practitioner. And I'm not saying any, they were doing anything wrong. Like they were just doing what they, like the best that they could do. Of course they wanted relief. But I want to give another example of another patient of mine from years ago when I was in the clinic. Okay. We're going to call her Kelly. Kelly was an older retired woman. And she had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia like for at least 20 years when I saw her. I can't quite remember. She had pretty severe levels of chronic pain. Like she'd come in and be like, yeah, my pain's at like a seven. Okay. And she was really reliant on her medications. But lately they were like not working as they had used to. And she was having trouble getting doctors to prescribe it because she was on like pretty like heavy op opioids. But overall, she loved her life. She had a thriving social life. Like this woman was, oh my God, I like loved her. She was so much fun to work with. She had a community. She had a great family life. She was obsessed with her garden. She had so many types of like arts and crafts and like these creative outlets. She would bring in some of her pieces to share with me. And it was just, it was, they were just so amazingly unique, creative and beautiful. It was just awesome. Anyways, there were clear physical things that we were able to work on together. Because of her fibromyalgia, doctors, she had been complaining more and more of knee pain, which is specifically why she was seeing me. It wasn't because of her fibromyalgia. Um, the doctors had totally just kept, you know, putting her off and not recommending her to PT because they're like, oh, it's just fibromyalgia pain, which we could go on a whole rant again, but we're not going to. <laughs> but her pain levels were pretty high in her knee. It really, her knee was really starting to restrict her. There were days... And this was even existed before her, her knee pain started that she really did practically have to lay in bed all day. And of course she was frustrated by those, but she would never once have described herself as suffering. She had found ways to live with and even and to live with even her, oh my gosh, I cannot talk. I'm sorry. She had found ways to live even with her pain. Words. In the years that went by before she came to me and were able and we were able to address some of these physical components, she had already really been nailing down a lot of the mind-body stuff in many ways. Now, for her, she really had no understanding of the link of some of her past traumas. She really did not understand how the nervous system worked. Like there was a lot of mind-body things that we actually did start to bring in. But the point is somewhere along her healing journey, she was able to get the, that mind-body piece in place enough that she was able to live her life. There was, again, more things that we we did bring in. Fortunately, um, because of the pandemic, I worked with her before, right before the pandemic. And so we never really, uh, and then I moved. So I don't know exactly know what happened with her. But um, we were really able to take her healing journey to the next level pretty rapidly. Like in just a couple months we worked together. It was actually like so cool to see her progress because she had so many things already in place. She just needed more information and she needed a physical treatment. So the point is, is here is I want, what I really want to present. Even if you're convinced there is a very physical thing that is being missed, the mind-body component is absolutely essential. Our medical field is so far from being perfect and honestly, sometimes so far from being helpful. People 
do absolutely go years before being diagnosed, especially if we're talking about some things like anything with like chronic mold or like Epstein-Barr or just like Lyme disease, like things that sometimes aren't even recognized in the medical field. It's a whole different discussion that we're not going to get into. Okay. But even with those, just even if there is a diagnosis, it still doesn't mean there's a clear treatment. And from working with so many with clear diagnosis, diagnosis that do need a medical treatment. I'm sorry, guys. I apparently did not know I couldn't talk before recording today, but we're going with it. This is not about perfection, as you know, if you've listened to me. Um, So even with people who do have a clear diagnosis that do even have a clear medical treatment, I can tell you the mind-body piece is absolutely essential on their journey. Having a physical reason does not negate the need for mind-body work. Like if you get one thing out of this, I just really want you to try to fix that thought or address that thought or really examine that thought that feels like you have to choose either or. So let's take things to a less extreme level because I know we've been kind of describing these like pretty extreme scenarios here. Let's take just the case of a tight muscle, okay? Especially those large muscle groups like upper traps, your psoas, your erector muscles, those muscles that go up and down your spine, your quads. If you've been to a massage therapist and you were like, they're like, oh my God, these are super tight or maybe even to a chiropractor and they're like, oh, it's pulling you out of alignment, you know, stuff like that. And you've had them treated and after treatment, things just keep reverting back. Um, So it's like, maybe it feels great and then they just tighten back up. Or maybe the, the massage therapist is like, oh my God, like I cannot get any, like nothing I do is releasing these muscles. There's a reason your system is trying to protect yourself. And the reason very, very often is due to nervous system hypervigilance, this increased nervous system sensitization. And it absolutely calls for exploring our inner world through mind body work. Things that are treatable fully through more more physical methods tend to respond really well and pretty damn quickly. When I was working at the clinic, I always would tell people, and I still will tell people this, if they're getting physical work, you really within two to three sessions, and while, yes, there are some exceptions to that, but for the most part, within two to three sessions, you really should know if you're on the right path. It does not mean things are going to be cured or perfectly solved within two to three sessions. It doesn't even mean pain levels or range of motion is going to be improved in two to three sessions. It just means that you're like, oh, this feels right for my body. It's like you kind of trust what's happening. And for my absolute favorite subset of people, probably everybody listening, this actually is not a good indicator. (laughs) It's actually a terrible indicator, but I can almost always tell by the things they would report back to me and how they presented within the first two to three sessions, whether or not they fell into this perfectionist nervous system hypervigilance category, and they needed mind-body work as well, okay? Because unless I introduced this component, they almost never got better, despite often, even in cases where there would be like a really straightforward things to work on. It's like, there's sometimes I'll I'll evaluate people and I'm like, I immediately know that it's like, all right, this is, this needs to go to mind body 
trauma side of things, you know, basically what all I'm doing now, like I don't even need to like physically touch them versus like, all right, I mean, there's some clear physical stuff happening here. Right. And I get some people where it's like, oh, this should be like a piece of cake. Like you'll be done in three treatments. And then they didn't respond. Right. And that immediately, I'd almost always know within the first two or three sessions that they were this case. And these are like my favorite people to work with. So if this, if you relate to this, you're my people. So again, even in cases where there were clear physical signs like tight muscles, joints that weren't freely moving or weak muscles, we could work on the right physical things all day long and they'd rarely make progress. Now, here's some telltale signs, all right? There's probably more than I'm gonna list, but these are the most common ones that I would see where it would put my like indicator up of like, ooh, we gotta go somewhere else here. If they had a clear improvement in range of motion or they had a clear improvement of pain levels or maybe even a new skill, like all of a sudden they could balance really well or maybe even just like show a lot more strength in a, in, in a, in a limb. And again, I'm talking about from like a much more clinical standpoint here. But when I pointed these things out, they had a total inability to really see or celebrate this progress without pointing out other deficiencies or other pain. That really told me, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have my radar up here. So if you're someone who like, you're, it feels like the person, you're the physical therapist or chiropractor or massage therapist is like, but look at these amazing improvements you're having. And like, maybe even like objectively being like, look, you just gained 20 degrees of range of motion. And you're like, F that, like, I don't feel any better, or it just doesn't feel like it's good enough or anything like that. Mm, Listen, and this applies to you. All right. In a loving way. That's not like calling you out in a mean way. It's just like, oh, yes, this indicates need for mind body treatment. Another example would be if they actually had a great response to treatment, as in like, let's say there was a muscle that was tight and it totally immediately released. They even felt way better. But then the next visit, things were right back to where they started. And often the person wouldn't even like remember the improvement. I'd be like, oh, how are things feeling? They're like still terrible. But I'm like, but when you walked out, like you were feeling right. And they're like, I was. That, that was, oh, that was always a little bit of like, ah, okay. Um, if they had a lot of fear and anxiety to receive manual work or engage in exercise and it wasn't alleviated with basic education on the why behind the treatment. I want to really put that caveat in there because if someone's just like putting their hands all over you or telling you to do something and you don't know the why, like sometimes just knowing the why is all you need. Like we don't need to get more complicated. And I think some therapists, unfortunately, forget that piece. I see that a lot. So please always feel free to ask for the why. But if if you have a clear why that like makes sense to you and you don't want that person touching you or like they, it makes you super nervous, like you feel your whole system guard up anytime they try to do any manual technique or any exercise, like all you can think in your head is like, oh my God, is this exercise right? This is going to hurt me. These are all clear indicators for mind body work. And that's awesome. And so Every one of these things will often prevent successful treatment, even in the case of it being needed. And none of it means anything is wrong with you, or that you're doomed, or that you're broken beyond repair, or weak, or anything like that. It means the wrong thing might be addressing, being addressed at the wrong time. It would be like trying to teach a four-month-old to walk. It doesn't make sense. You wouldn't call that baby weak or broken. We know that baby will walk one day. They just first need to learn to crawl and then pull up and then cruise. And then finally, 
they can explore walking. And when they get to that point, they're going to fall over and over and over again. And we can expect that, right? And then they can finally walk with confidence. This is often what the healing journey looks like. And often we're trying to jump ahead too far or address the wrong thing or think it's either or. So, okay, this has been a much longer episode and I feel like I still have so many things that I want to address, but I'm going to spare y'all. And if you want a part two or one, there's more things that you feel like I missed, please, please, please always feel free to uh, message me. And I'm so happy to get more detail in there. But what I really want to leave you with is, is notice if, especially if like, you're like, I feel with my whole gut that there's a physical thing, but like, Either you can't do the physical thing or the physical thing scares you or you can't like relax enough to receive the treatment or it's just not making a difference even if you think it's the right thing. Like it thinks the treatment isn't holding. It is likely that you need to step back and look at the mind-body stuff first. All right. Or again, even if nobody can give an explanation and deep in your gut, you're like, I there is something going on with me also still want to address the mind-body stuff because that is what's going to allow you to have so much more confidence and ability to navigate different people and different sources of information to figure out what is going on with you. So always both. Notice if your brain is thinking either or and reach out to me if you have any questions on how to address it more specifically. But as always, you can find me at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram. I'm always happy to answer DMs. And if you want to get more specific about your case, feel free to sign up for a pain strategy session on my website. And as always, if this podcast has been helpful, please, please, please share it with others. It's the best way to help others find us and leave a review. Thank you.